Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 25th chapter. The kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish took no, no oil with their lamps, but the wise took glasses of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all became drowsy and fell asleep. But at midnight, a shout came, look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. The wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had best go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. While they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. It's all about the oil. The whole thing is about the oil. You got ten bridesmaids. They're all alike outwardly. You can't tell them apart one from the other. They all have um, lamps ready. They all have some oil with them. They all are waiting for the arrival of the bridegroom. The only difference between them is the wise bring extra oil and the foolish do not. The foolish were counting on the bridegroom to arrive at the anticipated time. The foolish were unprepared for a long delay. In Matthew's story, they do not have any extra oil with them. In the, oil, in the Bible, oil is a symbol for works of compassionate love. Oil is the evidence of the life of the Spirit of God. It is the oil of righteousness. To have oil is to live in a way that is Christ-like. To have oil is kindness and gentleness and patience and self-control and feeding the hungry and caring for the sick. It's praying for one another. It's standing up for the weak. It's collecting gifts for MLM and cold weather clothing for the gathering table and calling on the people that we haven't seen in a long while and delivering chicken soup. And sometimes it's keeping our opinions to ourselves and not lashing out when we don't get our way and taking care not to gloat when we do. Some of the people in Matthew's congregation are struggling. They are in danger of running out of oil. 
They are tired of waiting. People are dropping out of the church, or maybe they're just not practicing their faith. And if they were interviewed, maybe some in the Matthean community would say something like, yeah, I used to believe, but I've lost them. Or, yeah, I believe, but I'm tired of going to church and let some of these other people do some of this work. When the church was starting up, you know, it was easy. It was easy to get new members. It was easy to get people to join. Everybody was excited. Everybody was expecting Jesus was going to return just any day. They were preaching like Jesus was coming back at the end of the week and there was going to be the big banquet and the kingdom of heaven on earth and all the problems of the world were going to be solved. And then, you know, people were hyped up and they were ready and that banquet was so close they could just taste it. Their mouths were watering and there was anticipation and there was excitement and there was joy. And when you have all that going on, I mean, people are just coming through the door. But that was then and this is now. It's been 50 or 60 or maybe even 70 years since Jesus rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. This Matthean church has been waiting and waiting and waiting now for five or six or seven decades for the return of the bridegroom. Some people thought, well, he would be back in a few weeks, and well, then they thought it might be a few months, and they thought, well, surely not more than a year. And then, well, you know, maybe five or seven years. But it has been so long, and still no bridegroom. And so Matthew preaches a sermon about faithfulness through a long delay. We know the frustration and the tedium of waiting. The COVID thing wasn't so bad at first, right? You know, it happened, went okay, he'll be with us a few weeks, a few months, maybe a couple of months, no big deal. And it was kind of nice getting a break from church. We didn't have to come up here. We didn't have all the programs. We didn't have all the stuff we had to take care of. You know, and maybe some of you got a break from going to work or other places that you have to show up. And, I hear some people got in the habit of hanging out in their pajamas there for quite a while and not doing, you know, shaving or hair or makeup. And it was, it was all right. But that was then, and this is now. First, we thought a couple of months. Then we thought, well, somehow it all would all be over, maybe, you know, by summer. And then it was going to be, oh, surely by June, things would be back to normal and we'd all be back in the church. And then it was August. We put the funeral off until August. And then we would have a vaccine. We just knew we'd have a vaccine by election day. And then, well, okay, Christmas will be normal. And now we're grumpy and we're tired of being careful. And it's looking like Easter may be a long shot. And we need jobs and we need our families and we want our church breaks and we want our projects back. And then there's the parking lot. Uh, uh, God, the parking lot is still torn up. You know, in August, we were told, hey, we're going to do this project. We're going to fix the plumbing. Yeah, we have to do a little bit around the parking lot. It'll all be over in three days. We've got Labor Day. It'll be a done deal. And then it wasn't Labor Day. Or the week after Labor Day, or the week after that, or even the next month, and there have been delays, and there have been more delays, and some days I wonder if I will ever see the parking lot 
but that. Athens people are tired of waiting. And he's wondering if they have what it takes. If they're going to make it through the delays. He's wondering when Jesus finally shows up, are there going to be any bridesmaids there to greet him? I don't know about you, but I was sure that come November the 3rd, if I could just make it the whole last year to November the 3rd, then all would be well. That somehow, come November 3rd, all those obnoxious phone calls and text messages and Facebook memes and righteous rants would cease and life would get back to normal. I was convinced, or tried to convince myself, that come November 3rd, regardless of who won the presidency, and honestly, I was beginning not to care, we would stop obsessing and get back to the business of life. But the election wasn't over on election day, or the day after, or the day after that. And even though this presumed winner has been announced, and some are celebrating in the streets, and others are having weeping and gnashing of tea. Half or more of our country's people are still waiting for every vote to be counted and for all those disturbing questions to be answered and to have some basis for renewed faith and hope in a system that too often leaves us wanting. If we thought our problems would be solved on election day, we were foolish. If we think they're going to be solved by a president or a Congress, we are foolish. Because the biggest problem we have is one that only we can solve with the help and grace of God. We are and have been for a very, very, very long time, a nation divided against ourselves. We have allowed rhetoric to turn us against one another. We have begun to lose trust in one another. We have drawn the lines so firmly between us and them that we are now nearly two countries and at least half of our people, and if surveys are correct, 90 plus percent of our people, 90% of people in the United States <clears throat> no longer trust the political process or our leaders or our news media, maybe not even one another. And that trust has been unraveling for a very long time. Jesus once warned, a house divided against itself cannot long stand. We are strong. We are always strong when we value and respect one another and listen to one another in spite of our differences. We are not the enemy. We are the neighbor 
in need of compassion and love. We will be strong. We are strong. When we find out what, what each of us needs in order to feel safe in the world, and then we work together to create that safety, to build that solidarity and trust. To be united does not mean we have to be in agreement. It has nothing to do with agreement. We just need to stop being enemies of one another. We need to stop trusting the people out there and up there and wherever more than we trust our own God-given power that we have and share when we work together and love one another. It's all about the oil, Matthew says. We're going to need a lot of oil. It's the oil of righteousness. It is poured out upon us and into us through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is always present with us and empowering us for acts of kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and tolerance and forgiveness and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit which has been given to us, the Spirit of joy and gratitude and hope in God's presence so that our light may shine brightly, a light of faith for the sake of the world. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>